1: Hello, I'm Jim Richards, and I'll tell you, today we're going to be talking about an aspect of prayer that I think is vital to everybody because so many people are struggling financially. And you know, the name it and claim it prosperity message perverted what God said about prosperity and about provision. It perverted in such a way that people are revolted just by the idea that God has provision in the Scripture. But I want you to know something. It's in God's name to take care of us and provide for us. It's in God's word for him to take care of us and provide for us. And we got it modeled to us all throughout the Bible. But I want to talk to you about how this fits into your prayer life. And Jesus taught us about this. So get ready, take notes. This is Impact Cyber Church. where Right now you're going to church with people all over the world, people who are changing the way the world sees God. Don't go away. I'll be back in just a minute. Hey, listen, I want to be sure you get my free download this month, Knowing God as Father. I am telling you, this is going to charge you up and get you so excited and so confident in your connection and your position with God. Be sure and get it. It's for free. All right, we want to just jump right into today because we're going to be talking about God's provision. I'm telling you something, this is one of those core beliefs that we need to get ironed out because, you know, I pastored for nearly 30 years and been in ministry for over 40 years. And I'm telling you, when you sit down in marriage counseling situations or when you sit down and talk to most people who are facing an incredible crisis, money is usually involved in the situation. And like I said, you know, there's the the poverty is holy mentality out there. When I first got saved, first church I went to, man, they kind of glorified poverty and suffering as if it was something that was holy, something that made you holy. That's absolutely not true. You know what the Bible actually says in the book of James the first chapter James is writing to a bunch of people who are complaining and they're complaining about God you know a series i had years ago is called god is not your problem and i may redo that series it's so old i don't even know if it, you could hear it today because the sound quality would be so bad but you see these people were complaining about God just like people do today they were complaining about God because they didn't know and believe the truth about God and so The first chapter of James, he starts out talking to people who are being tempted. Well, see, we take the word tempt, and we just reduce that down to one idea, and that is the solicitation to do evil. But that word is a lot bigger than that. Temptation has to do with being tested or feeling tested, tried, scrutinized, examined, you know, put to the test. But it also means anything that causes you to strain or to strive. Now, let me tell you something. When people are under financial pressure, they strain. When people are under financial pressure, they strive. Now, that doesn't mean that I have bought into the name it and claim it and grab it and stab it and get rich on a formula. I never have gone for that stuff. I hated that stuff when it was popular. And most of the people that were preaching that stuff were con men who were just taking up big old offerings in meetings and ripping people off. Listen, God has provision built into both the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And we're in the New Covenant and everything in the New Covenant is absolutely better. So we can't reject something that's in the Word of God just because of some way that some group of people have misused it. You know, that's the same thing people have done with the grace message is a lot of people misuse the grace message. A lot of people twist the grace message. So as a result, a lot of Christians reject any concept of grace. Well, hey, it's in the Bible. It's one of the cornerstone doctrines of the new covenant. You can't get away from it. Or you can go back to the baptism in the Holy Spirit there are groups that totally vilified the whole idea of being baptized in the Holy Spirit to such a degree. And so many of their teachings were so unscriptural that again, most of Christianity rejected the baptism in the Holy Spirit as something that was legitimate because of the crazy teaching that was about it. Well, listen, if it's in the Bible, then Jesus died for it to be Ours, which means if he's our Lord and we're his servant, we don't have the right to pick and choose which part of what he died for we're willing to accept. Man, if he died for it, we need to accept all of it. If he died for it, we need to be committed to all of it. If he died for it, we need to be seeking to understand all of it. If he died for it, then. We really don't have a choice in the matter if we're servants and disciples. And besides that, I want to tell you something. God's reputation is at stake in us. You know, if we're broken, desperate... Now, listen, it's one thing. If you're suffering for righteousness sake, which I meet very few people that are, those days are coming on the earth and they're soon coming to America. They've already started coming to America to some degree. If you're suffering for righteousness sake, if you're suffering because you're a believer, if you're suffering financially because you're dealing with a corrupt system, you know something? You don't have any control. Over that. But God still always has a plan and a way to take you to the place of provision. And God really doesn't want us in the just get by mentality. He doesn't want us where we just barely can pay our bills or paying them just like He wants us to know Him as our provider. Now, when Jesus taught us how to pray, He gave us these different categories that we need it to address. And we've already talked about this. And listen, if you haven't listened to last month's series, go back and listen to them because you want to get a good foundation. Matter of fact, if you really want to get to the place where you transform your whole prayer life, be sure and get my series on this new covenant prayer, how to set your life in order. But if you need to go back before you listen to what I'm about to say, then stop right now, go back and listen to the other messages. But I want you to understand something. See, he taught us first to connect to God as our Father so that we didn't come to him as slaves or as servants. We didn't come to him as people who were unsure of what his response was going to be. We were to come as sons who already were heirs so that we know exactly what our provision is. And so we know exactly, and all of that is based on knowing God is our Father and believing the new covenant that he established because of his fatherly love for us. So, you know, when we connect to God as our father, that's really where we begin to enter that secret place where we we start connecting to him at a much deeper level than just our master and, and our Lord, even though he is our Lord, even though he is our master, that gets combined to this intimate, loving, personal, sweet connection where you love and trust God and you trust him as your protector. And then he taught us about hallowed be thy name. And he taught us about acknowledging the names of God. And as I've told you many times, and in our prayer organizer, we do this. We teach people to take the names of God connect the names of God with the Word of God, and connect that with the provision that Jesus gave us on the cross, and then connect that with who we are and what we have in Jesus. I want to tell you something. When your prayer life starts with, this is the name of God, and it goes through this acknowledgement and this bringing faith alive and recognizing the fact that, okay, this is who God said He is, and I trust Him, and I'm worshiping that name, and, and I'm acknowledging His Word, and I'm acknowledging Jesus. I'm communing with the God, the Father, through the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm accepting my identity. So everything from God's name all the way to my identity is all absolutely consistent and congruent. And so after we leave that realm of just connection with God and just bringing ourselves back to the place where our prayer platform, if you will, the platform that we're standing on to address God is that number one, he's our father. Number two, we know his name and we know he exalted his name and his word above all things. And we know that we cannot accept anything in this life that's incongruent, inconsistent, or in conflict with God's name or in conflict with His provisions to the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. So this is why he says, listen, don't ever say when you're tempted, tested, tried, scrutinized, or made to strain, don't ever say that it's God because God doesn't tempt, test, try, scrutinize, or make anybody strain. Now, I know you can go to some Old Testament scriptures, and if you are very shallow if you've already got your mind made up to how you're going to see God, you think you can prove that God has done those things. But I got news for you. You're always going to be wrong when it gets down to what the word really says. The problem is just an understanding of what the word says. So he went on then in that same passage of Scripture, and I want to deal with this before we jump into the details about new covenant provision. He went on then to say, the reason you never say that God... See, if you're saying that God is the source of any of these things, then you're saying that God is darkness. Well, the Bible says that in Him is light and there is no darkness. See, darkness and death are the same thing. And so... Whether it's physical death, whether it's emotional death, whether it's financial death, whether it's relational death, that's all darkness. And that darkness comes because of the areas where we don't believe the truth. And so if we're going to walk in the light, the light will drive out the darkness. But that's where we have to accept God's Word. As it says, as a matter of fact, James goes on to say It says, every good and perfect gift comes from God. This testing and trial. This don't come from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. And it identifies him as the father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither a shadow of turning. In other words, God stands in an arena of perfect light, and he never moves from who he is enough to cast a shadow in absolute light. I want to tell you something. God's always been good. God's always been the provider. God has always been willing to take us where we were afraid to go. But that's the problem. We're just afraid to go. Listen, I'll be right back. Don't go away. Man, we're going to take this thing to the next level. You know, this series, New Covenant Prayer how to set your life in order. You say, what's I got to do set setting your life in order? How does prayer and that go together? i tell you how, because prayer, when you do it based on the new covenant, is exactly where you decide where your life's going to go, is exactly where you engage and align yourself with what God has already accomplished through the Lord Jesus, and you establish His kingdom on earth. You want to get this today? This will revolutionize every aspect of your life. All right, here we go. Now remember, faith doesn't start with trying to believe an individual promise. If that's where you're starting in your concept of faith, your faith is gonna fail more times than it's gonna work. But faith starts when we know and trust the true nature and the true character of God. God is good, God is only good. God is love and every single other attribute, even if it seems negative in the way we interpret it, is always motivated by love. God's never done anything that's not motivated by love. Jesus came and He showed us God's perfect will, what God truly intended in every word that He had ever, ever spoken. So when we come to God in uh, this arena of provision, we're coming based on the fact, first and foremost, of who God is. Not just His promises, but who God is. God, His name is Jehovah Jireh. His character is revealed by His name. Jehovah Jireh means His provision shall be seen. I want to tell you something. I don't consider that just financial provision. I consider that provision in absolutely every arena of life. You know, in the Old Testament, it says as plain as day that God's the one that gives us the power to get wealth. In the book of Proverbs, it tells us that uh, prosperity will destroy a fool, but then it talks about all the woes of poverty and how poverty brings about affliction and moaning and and this sort of thing. Even one place in Proverbs, you know, the writer says, listen, I don't want to be poor lest I steal because see, that's what happens when people are striving financially. When people are in desperation, they make desperation decisions. And desperation decisions usually are void of our true character. Desperation decisions are where we justify something that's not in the Bible. We justify something that's unethical. We cut some corner. We lie just a little bit. We cheat just a little bit. And as we do that, it hardens our heart. Well, listen, God's our provider. We don't have to take shortcuts. We don't have to live in desperation. We don't have to live in poverty. It's really interesting. You know, in the Old Testament where it talks about God gives us the power to get wealth, that word wealth and sometimes the word prosper comes from the Hebrew word shalom. Now, what's interesting, the Greek word in the New Testament for peace is almost identical in meaning to the Hebrew word for peace, shalom. So in the Hebrew... Shalom, which was peace, had to do with provision, prosperity, protection. In other words, it's not just the fact that God just rubs some peace on your head and suddenly you feel at peace. It's the fact that God has taken care of and provided for so many areas of your life that you can be at peace. Well, you know, that's exactly what the word peace means in the New Testament. You know, the word peace, it's not just a tranquil state of mind, but it's a tranquil state of mind that comes from knowing that every need is met. Now, I may not be experiencing that in my finances or my circumstances or my areas of provision, but that is God's reality, and I have to choose God's reality over my own experience. Now, after leaving that part of prayer where Jesus taught us to connect to the Father and to become intimate, see, when we get into this area here of provision, and then the next area that people totally misunderstand is in the area of forgiveness, what we fail to understand is that these verses are connected to the whole concept of avoiding or staying out of temptation. See, we read about God, you know, delivering us from evil as if we got to remind Him to do it, as if maybe He might get mad at us and lead us into evil or lead us into temptation. No, God doesn't do that. But in this prayer, Jesus is saying that one of the areas we've got to deal with if we want to avoid temptation, if we want to avoid evil, and that word evil there has to do with chaos and again, stress and striving and conflict and all these things that don't work. So, him including, give us this day our daily bread. He wasn't saying, repeat these words. He was saying, this has got to be an area of your life that you set in order. This is not a plea for a stingy God to be nice and help us out today. Listen, you know we are the children. We have the children's bread. Provision is the children's bread. God's a loving Father who's always seeking to take us to the place of provision. Yeah, you know, I love Psalm 37, 25. A lot of people say, well, I can't agree with Psalm 37:25." 25. But you know what? If you get your beliefs straight, you might be able to. He says, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaking nor his descendants begging for bread. i want to tell you something. We've got to move beyond the realm of lack. We've got to move beyond this realm of being beggars and realize we're sons of God. We are heirs of God. We are joint heirs in Jesus. But see, we have to set our life in order. We have to choose that. We have to bind and loose that in our own life. It doesn't happen automatically just because God says, this is yours. There's a lot of things that God has given us. You know, this isn't really going to be how it is, but I heard a preacher say one time, he said, it's as if we got a warehouse in heaven, and that warehouse, all the shelves are lined with everything that we would ever need on this earth. And he says, you know, and people who don't transfer that by binding and loosing, who don't transfer that to earth, they're going to go into heaven and see all of these provisions that they could have drawn upon when they were facing challenges in life. But they were waiting for God to do His part. Well, if you're waiting for God to do His part, then you're rejecting the fact that Jesus has already settled God's part. Lack, the feeling of lack, is at the root of every single temptation. We have to believe that God does not provide before we can be drawn away into temptation. And listen, you might want to read my book, Breaking the Cycle. I talk about the cycle of lack and desperation. And, you know, where we end up when we move into this realm of desperation. Now listen, Jesus told us, see this thing about believing God to provide, it delivers you. So he says, don't worry about tomorrow. In other words, see, most of our thoughts Are either about the past or about the future and the past we can't do nothing about and what's going to happen in the future is probably or what we think is going to happen in the future is never ever ever going to happen in the place of prayer this is where we connect to the name of jehovah jireh this is where we in our heart and remember you know in prayer if you're not in a meditative state where you're connecting with your heart And I'm not saying you have to be sitting in a dark room somewhere by yourself. You should be able to get into your heart zone anywhere instantaneously. Leave this world behind and connect to Christ in you so that your intention, everything about you is connected with this because you're not just going to be quoting a bunch of scriptures to try to force God to do something. You're engaging this. This is our communion with Christ. This is where we're coming to him and saying, you know what? The communion, the thing we share in common, is what you accomplished for us at the cross. The thing we share in common is that as you are, we are. The thing that we share in common is every promise God made to you is a promise for us. And so when we're acknowledging these things and who we are in Jesus, I'm going to tell you something. Your heart is going to come alive. Now, let me tell you something. As you come out of lack and poverty, you're going to go through some stages of financial development. And because most people want magic instead of growing in grace, instead of God leading us and teaching us along the way, we just want God to get us out of the trouble and uh, we really don't make the journey because... And I'm not saying these are exact stages, but you know, there's just poverty. There's just absolute living in dire poverty. And I've been there. Then there's that stage of just getting by. Okay, I'm just getting by. And you heard me tell my stories about how Brenda really challenged me on this and got me out of that mindset. And then you got that stage of, having my needs met. But see, if I'm having my needs met, I'm not a blessing to anybody else. I mean, I might be able to minister to somebody. I might might have something emotionally give to people, but I can't give to missions. I can't support ministry. Listen, having my needs met is just one of the most greedy and selfish places in life you can get. So you move from having your needs met to abundance. You know, the Bible tells us that God super abundantly provides above all that we can ask or think. Abundance can take a fool and will take a fool into total destruction. That's why Proverbs warns that prosperity is the destruction of a fool. Well, a fool is a person who won't learn by being taught. We need to learn by being taught. We need to listen to God. We need to be givers. We need to be making sure the gospel's going to the ends of the earth, that Bibles are being printed in every language, that Bible schools are being started all over the world, or whatever it is that you want to see happen. Abundance isn't just so you can live at ease and backslide and lose your connection with God. You know, and that's what happens to a lot of people. And God warned the children of Israel. He said, listen, be careful that when you go into this land that I'm going to give you, that you get in there and you're going to live in houses you didn't build. You're going to eat from vineyards you didn't plant. And in your heart, you will say, it is by our might and by our power that we have this. He says, no, it's me who gives you the power, the capacity, the strength to get wealth. Well, the next stage after abundance is wealth. Next stage after that is kingdom living. That's where we want to move to. We want to move to that place of kingdom living where our resources are not what make us happy. Our provision is not what makes us happy. It's just part of who we are and what we have available for kingdom living, for the kingdom of God, whether it's the kingdom of God benefiting us, whether it's the kingdom of God benefiting other people. So, you know, that doesn't just happen through rote recite it, bland, ritualistic, legalistic prayer. It happens when people connect to God in their heart. You know, as you're quoting scriptures, and remember one of the highest forms of praise and worship is to say back to God what he says, but you're saying it back because you believe it. You're saying it back because you're, you're not trying to pat God on the back, say, hey, you're right this time. No, you're connecting to that as your own reality. That's a form of meditation. You're seeing and experiencing and, and living and, and enjoying in your own heart as much as you know how at that moment. Everything that God says is yours. Well, I'll tell you something. That will come alive in you. And when it comes alive in you, then you're ready to declare it. But see, the problem is we try to declare things that we don't believe, and then it doesn't work, and then we think God let us down. Listen, I'll be back with my mentoring moment. Just a minute. Don't go away. I'm going to put this into practice for you. Make your plans now to be with me on July the 15th, 16th, and 17th for World Changer Weekend. And then again in October, you can check on my website for Heart Physics Weekend. Listen, we're changing lives, changing the world, changing ourselves, growing in God. Listen, I want to invite you to join me for World Changer Weekend here in Huntsville, Alabama, July the 15th, 16th, and 17th. I'm telling you, this is going to be an incredible weekend. There's going to be several speakers from all across America that are going to come in that are moving in this message, that are changing the world, that's winning the world, that's building great churches, that's helping people, and they're connected to this message, and they're going to help you. This is going to be a weekend of transformation and manifestation because I'm going to be talking to you about what I call the ultimate trifecta, light, life, and love. And you know, I just got to tell you, God has over the last year has taken everything I knew and believed about light, life, and love and has suddenly opened it up into a dimension that's just beyond anything that in all of my 40 plus years of studying the Bible that I've ever been able to see or grasp. And I'm going to tell you something, there's not just going to be information, it's going to be information that leads to transformation. I'll see you there. Let's talk about getting down to practical application because this is where it takes place. You know, in prayer, you know, I've talked to you about the things that you want to be saying, the things that you want to be believing. And listen, you got to know scripture. It's amazing to me how many people think they're going to have a prayer life, think they're going to have faith, think they're going to avoid deception, but they don't really know the Bible. They know what preachers tell them about the Bible, but they don't read it and study it for themselves. And let me reiterate, read and study. Read, study, meditate, ponder, do research. This is the book of life, and we should know how to function this. But remember this. Faith is always absolutely sure until you experience in your heart through acknowledging, meditating, worshiping the names of God, acknowledging and meditating, worshiping God by saying His Word back to Him and you as much as you can experiencing it in your own heart. Until you do that, until you are moved to the place of being sure you are not in faith. Now, faith... Praise for things that have been given, which means faith assumes that the answer is yes. You know, in this term, give us, give us this day, our daily bread. Theris, which is one of the most respected lexicons out there, says that means to give us what is due. Not because we've got to force God to. In other words, we're saying, I come to you, I believe who you are expecting what is due, what you said is mine. Kittles says to give or to do something in fulfillment of an obligation or an expectation. You see, until I ask from God based on a heart that's fully convinced knowing what the answer is until my approach with God is, I know this is mine. I know this is mine in Jesus. See, the English word ask is just not the same as the Greek word for I'm coming to him with that place of I know who I am. I know who you are. I know this is mine. And I'm just acknowledging that it's mine. I want to tell you something. You get that part of your prayer life worked out, the temptation is going to go away.